Hey everybody, this is Kent. Quick little prologue before you listen to the first actual episode of Music Madness. I forgot something, of course, because this is my first ever podcast. Um, I did want to say in the uh, description of the first pod, there is a link to a Spotify playlist. How I would recommend listening to this pod listen to a little bit of it, listen to some of the matchups, and then go check out some of the songs before you go out and vote. Just kind of uh, hear the music, listen to what songs are on there. I've included every song that I mention when I go through the podcast. So take your time, listen to it, then go out and make your votes. So the pot, the voting will be open for a week, so don't be afraid to take a little bit of time. So thanks for checking out the podcast. What's up, y'all? This is Kent with Music Madness, and I am super excited. This is our very first bracket series. Over the next month, month and a half, we're going to go through a themed bracket. We're going to pit a group of albums against each other and vote for who we think is the very best album. Some hearts are going to be broken, but we're going to have some fun. This is our intro show where I'll lay out the topic, lay out the matchups, and then we'll get to the first round of votings. So when I decided to work on this, I had to decide what is going to be the very first theme to start with. And I really think a good theme should have a diverse set of albums, have something that will appeal to a wide variety of music fans. I want to span all styles of music. We need a lot of albums in there, at least 64 to fill out a bracket. So that gives us a lot of options to run through and a really broad variety of types of albums to go down a rabbit hole on. The first theme I came up with was Grammy-winning albums. The Grammys started in 1959 and were originally called the Gramophone Awards and were later shorted to the Grammys, which just rolls off the tongue a lot better. They are one of the four big awards that make up the EGOT of the Emmys, the Grammys, the Oscars, and the Tonys. And the Grammys can be kind of a crapshoot and can be kind of controversial with the results. However, there are 65 years of the Grammys, and we have winners all throughout there, and there's a really wide variety of artists. I think it's about the perfect kind of sample for our first bracket. And I'll be honest, I didn't know a lot about the list of winners, but once I got going, it's really a weird, weird list. There are some of the best albums ever made, some that most people will never have listened to or heard a song off of. And a lot of names missing. I couldn't believe names like Beyonce, Madonna, Queen, Led Zeppelin, Rolling Stones, Elvis Presley, Jay-Z, Nirvana, Bon Jovi, Britney Spears. They have never won a Grammy for Best Album. Even some of the artists that have won didn't win for what a lot of people consider to be their best albums. Bob Dylan didn't win a Grammy till 1998. Ray Charles, 2005. The Beatles didn't win for the White Album. There's a lot of what I'd call quote-unquote lifetime achievement Grammys in there that we'll discuss as we go through. Early on, there were actually two comedy albums that won the best album. So it's really a weird list, and I think it'll be a lot of fun to kind of dive into. But it's a great first sample to play with. So let's dig in on how this is going to work. So how did I set up the bracket? As I said, Grammy winners are a wide variety of albums. In order to seed the albums, I thought it was important to focus on which albums were the most popular in their time. 
Some Grammy winners are among the best-selling albums of all time, and they were on the charts for years. They'll even pop in and out years later if they go viral or something on social media. Other albums that won barely sold any albums, and some of them never even topped the charts in the years that they were out. Feels like a pretty good way to seed these albums, at least as the first cut. So the first thing I looked at was the Recording Industry Association of America, or the RIAA, album sales. These are the guys that give out diamond and platinum and gold albums. Second, I looked at the billboard charts. How high did the album get on the charts? How many weeks was it on the charts? How long was it number one? And then finally, I had to look at ratings because sometimes the best albums of all time don't sell a ton. I debated looking at professional reviews, but in the end, I decided to focus more on user-based ratings on a site. This gives us a bigger sample size, has more consistent simple system since a lot of reviews may not be accessible today, I decided to use the site Rate Your Music or IRYM. It is a large database, a lot of users, and the ratings seem to make a lot of sense. I know this may be tough, but try to isolate your vote on just this album. You may love the artist, and if this is their worst album, you can't be dragging in songs that weren't on this album. So with that as the backdrop, let's dive into our four brackets. I didn't put these together with a set theme, but I will say after looking at the way they shook out, I kind of have four quote unquote themes that I'll use to name the four brackets within our broader Grammy theme. So without further ado, our first bracket is the most modern bracket. Not going to say all of these songs are modern, but a number of these are more recent albums, including recent albums ranked number one and number two. So let's dive in. The number one seed in the modern bracket is Michael Jackson's Thriller from 1984. This is a monster album. Three of the most recognizable songs of all time with Thriller, Beat It, and Billie Jean. It sold more albums than any other album on this list at 34 million copies. It spent 564 weeks on the chart. That's over 10 years. 37 weeks at number one, which is almost a full year at number one. And on RYM, it ranked a 3.97 out of five. There was no way this wasn't a number one seed album, and it's probably the number one overall seed in the entire tournament. 16. So our plucky little number 16 seed that's going up against this monster from 1959, the very first Grammy ever given out, is Henry Mancini's the music from Peter Gunn. Peter Gunn was a TV show in 1959, and this album was the theme music from that show. I have, I had no idea what this was, but I will say after I looked it up and listened to it, I have heard this song before. This album wasn't ever on the charts. It sold less than a million albums, but it still won the very first Grammy for Best Album. So it really kind of shows where things have come from. Hey. Number eight is 1993's Eric Clapton Unplugged. This is the first of what I'm going to call a lifetime achievement Grammy. There is no way this is the best thing Clapton made, but it's the only time he won a Grammy for the best album. It's really a re-recording of a lot of his older work, like Layla, Tears in Heaven are probably the best known songs on it, but they're re-recordings of old songs. The album sold 10 million copies and was on the charts for 140 weeks, sitting at number one for three weeks, and got an RYM score of 3.55. Nine. 
Its opponent, number nine seed, 1985's Lionel Richie Can't Slow Down. You know more songs off of this album than you probably think you do. All Night Long, Stuck on You, Hello. This actually beat out Prince's Purple Rain for Best Album, which is kind of a shocker if you actually think about it. But it did sell more than 10 million albums, was on the chart for 160 weeks, and was number one for three weeks. It's rated at a 3.19, which seems pretty low for a lot of the albums that we're actually seeing. So the number five seed is 1980s Billy Joel, 52nd Street. This is kind of a weird one. Billy Joel is a big star, but I'd argue that none of his biggest songs are on this album. Has songs like Big Shot, My Life and Honesty, but it doesn't have Piano Man, No Uptown Girl. No, We Didn't Start the Fire, or any of his really big, big songs. It did sell 7 million albums, which is pretty good. It was on the charts for 76 weeks and was number one for eight weeks. And it has an RYM score of 3.6. So it's a solid album. It just, it, it. At number 12, Christopher Cross's album, Christopher Cross. I'll be honest, this was the first album when I was looking through it, that was completely unknown to me. I had never heard any of this guy's stuff. Songs were kind of like the Family Ties theme song to me. Supposedly, the big singles off of it were Ride Like the Wind, Sailing, not the Stick song, and Never Be the Same. It did sell six million albums. It is one of the few Grammy winners that never reached number one on the charts. It peaked at number six and was on the charts for 116 weeks and has an RYM score of 3.35. Number four is a strong one. 1971, Simon and Garfunkel's Bridge Over Troubled Waters. This duo had been rather successful before this album, but this was the biggest album, considered by many one of the best albums ever recorded. Songs like Bridge Over Troubled Waters, Cecilia and the Boxer are really well known. They're earworms, you hear them, and they don't get out of your head. After I was listening to it, getting ready for this, I was I, I was humming those songs. They sold 8 million copies of this album, reached number one on the charts, and remained there for 10 weeks. It was on the charts for 87 weeks, and it has an RYM score of 3.97, one of the highest scores in the entire bracket. 13. At the number 13 seed is 1965's Stan Getz and Joao Gilberto, Getz and Gilberto album. This album is largely in Portuguese. Stan Getz is known for his bossa nova style, and the best known song on this is probably one you've all heard. It's The Girl from Ipanema, which still gets pop culture turns every couple years in a movie or two. This album sold over 1 million albums, was number two on the charts, and was on the list for 96 weeks. Has an RYM score of 3.97, which is also really high. Six. At number six, 2003's Nora Jones' Come Away With Me. This was her first and by far her most successful album. She had a very unique sound and put out songs like Don't Know Why, Come Away With Me, and Turn Me On, and she was suddenly everywhere. None of her album, future albums had the same level of success, but it's interesting to see she's continued to put out music even till today, and she actually featured on a couple of the other albums that have won uh, Grammy of the Year in here, which we may we may talk a little bit about later on. This album sold 12 million copies and was number one on the charts for four weeks, while remaining on the charts for 167 weeks. 
Her album has a RYM score of 3.4, which that number 11 is 1987's Paul Simon's Graceland. Our first repeat artist of the list, Paul Simon, is back with his solo album, Graceland. This is the after he and Garfunkel had broken up and he was going through a bit of a career revitalization. Songs like You Can Call Me Al, Graceland, and Diamonds on the Soles of Her Shoes. It sold 5 million albums, peaked at number 3 on the charts, and spent 105 weeks there. Has an RYM score of 3.8. The number three is 2010's Taylor Swift with Fearless. So, Miss Swift is going to be a rather regular on this list. If we give her a few more years, she's probably going to be revered like some of the biggest names on here. And this album was one that put her name on the map. It got play on both pop and country stations with songs like Love Story, You Belong to Me, 15, Fearless, and this is the album that launched the Empire. She sold 10 million copies of this album. That number has to be low because due to a dispute with her record company, she actually re-recorded this album herself, re-released it again, and sold a ton of copies of it in the re-release. The album was number one for 11 weeks. It was on the charts for 224 total weeks. It has a rating of 3.37 on RYM, but I think it's just because she gets a little bit of hate for being who she is and being so successful. 14. Number 14 seed to go up against Miss Swift is 2022's John Baptiste's album We Are. Probably one of the most controversial recent Grammy winners. I really only know him as the band leader for The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. Supposedly the songs off of this album are Freedom. And I Need You, uh, I had never heard either of them. I listened to him trying to figure this out. What was crazy was he beat out the albums from Olivia Rodrigo, Justin Bieber, Kanye West, and others that a lot of people thought, you know, might have deserved it a little bit more. Probably because this album sold less than 1 million copies. It never reached number one on the charts and was only on the charts for five weeks. It rated on RYM at a 3.24. Seven. At number seven, 2014's Daft Punk Random Access Memories. This is the only EDM album to win a Grammy for Best Album of the Year. The French helmet-wearing duo really came out with like their best work for this album. They partnered with major stars like Pharrell Williams, Juan Casablanca of The Strokes, Nile Rodgers, and put out bangers like Getting Lucky, Doing It Right, and Lose Yourself to Dance. This album sold 1 million copies, was number one on the charts for two weeks, and spent 71 weeks on the charts, which is pretty impressive for an EDML. It does have an RYM score of 3.67. Our number 10 seed is 1973's Various Artists, The Concert for Bangladesh. So this was largely put on by George Harrison of the Beatles. It was a recording of a charity concert that was put on for refugees of the Bengali Civil War. This was something I didn't know a ton about because it happened before I was born, but Bangladesh and Pakistan were one country at uh, one point, and the the country of Bangladesh tried to break away from Pakistan, and there was a lot of atrocities that happened. 
and they put this concert on to try and raise money for children in Bangladesh. There were songs from Bob Dylan, like Blowing in the Wind, A Hard Rain's Gonna Fall. George Harrison and Ringo Starr performed together for the first time in five years with Here Comes the Sun. The Rolling Stones had Jumping Jack Flash. They sold a million copies. It reached number one on the charts and was there for one week. It stayed on the charts for four weeks. Has an RYM score of 4.29, which is actually the highest RYM score in the entire bracket. Because of its low sales, it's a little lower, but that score pulled it up a little bit to a 10 seed. Two. Our first number two seed is Adele's 2012 album, 21. So very few artists are in this bracket two times. Adele is one of them. The album has some of her best stuff, and you know her immediately. This album has Rolling in the Deep. Rumor has it, Set Fire to the Rain and Someone Like You. All of these would be the biggest songs on most albums, but they're all from the same one. She sold 14 million copies of this in the last 11 years. It was on num- it was number one on the charts for 24 weeks, and it was on the charts for 296 weeks. Only reason this isn't a number one overall seed is because of a rather low RYM score of 3.16. 15. At number 15 is 1995's Tony Bennett MTV Unplugged. It's another Lifetime Achievement Award from the Grammys. This album has all of his biggest songs on it, just they're recorded live. Of course, it's going to win when you put all of your classic art on one album. It sold a million copies, peaked at number 48 on the charts, and was there for 27 weeks. Has an RYM score of 3.19. Our second bracket, I'm going to call our ladies bracket. Again, not all women, but our number one and two seed and a couple of the best women-led albums of all time. Our number one seed in this bracket is 1972's Carol King's Tapestry. I'll be honest, I had no idea who Carol King was until I started this. I saw a number of lists that said this is one of the best albums ever. It was on the charts for 318 weeks. It was number one for 15 weeks and sold 14 million records, and I'll, I had not heard of it. And then I listened to a few of the songs, and holy crap, it was banger after banger. This album is just kind of a thing that makes me excited to do this podcast, because I knew a lot of these songs, but I had no idea they were sung by the same person. Songs like, I Feel the Earth Move, It's Too Late, You've Got a Friend, and You Make Me Feel Like a Natural Woman, all were Carol King. It has an RYM score of 3.82. 16. So the number 16 seed to go up against that juggernaut is 1960s Judy Garland, Judy at Carnegie Hall. I know who Judy Garland is, but I didn't know that she had won a Grammy. This is a live album where she sung a bunch of her songs and sang songs like When You're Smiling, The Whole World Smiles With You, Putting on the Ritz and Over the Rainbow. This sold a million copies, only ever reached 119 on the charts, and was there for two weeks. It has an RYM score of 3.81. At number eight is 2007's The Chicks, a.k.a. The Dixie Chicks, Taking the Long Way. The Chicks are one of just four country artists to win the Grammy for Best Album. This album came out after all their controversy around the Iraq War when they spoke out against the invasion. This album doesn't include some of their more popular songs, but does have hits like Not Ready to Make Nice, Everybody Knows, and The Long Way Round. It did sell 2 million albums. It was number one on the charts for one week and was on the charts for 62 weeks. 
It has an RYM score of 3.84. It's one of the few country artists that really broke through to win this Grammy. Nine. At number nine, we have 2005's Ray Charles' Genius Loves Company. I'm guessing you're not surprised to hear that Ray Charles won a Grammy for Best Album. I'm guessing you might be surprised to hear that he did it in 2005. I'm starting to notice a trend when going through with a lot of these Lifetime Achievement Awards. They just put out an album of their biggest hits, re-record it, and win the Grammy. He did songs like Here We Go Again with Ms. Nora Jones, who I mentioned earlier. Sorry seems to be the hardest word with Elton John. Over the Rainbow with Johnny Mathis. Sold 3 million copies, and I read one-third of those were from Starbucks, which is crazy to think. It did hit number one at, for one week and was on the charts for 61 weeks. It has an RYM score of 3.18. At number five, we have 2016's 1989 from Taylor Swift. And she's back. Miss Swift returns with her first real pop album. Her last one was a country pop, and now we're all in on pop. Songs like Bad Blood and Shake It Off. This album sold 9 million copies, was number one for 10 weeks, and was on the charts for 127 weeks. Reason it's a little lower as a five seed is because it has, again, an RYM score of 3.24. At number 12 is 1990s Bonnie Raitt with Nick of Time. I know of Bonnie Raitt, but I don't know very much of her music. The two songs of hers that I had heard, Something to Talk About and I Can't Make You Love Me, aren't on this album. The singles were Have a Heart, Thing Called Love, and Love Letter. Interestingly, though, this album did sell 5 million copies, but never got into the top 50 albums on the charts, peaking at 63. It was on the charts for 82 weeks, though, which is pretty impressive, and it does have a rather poor RYM score of 3.11. Number four is 1989's George Michael, Faith. This was George Michael's first solo album after he broke away from Wham! Faith is probably one of the most recognizable hooks out there. However, other songs on the album, Father Figure, I Want Your Sex, Monkey, and One More Try made it onto the Billboard Hot 100. Michael sold 10 million copies of this album, which spent 12 weeks at number one, and it was on the charts for 96 weeks. It has an RYM score of 3.45. At number 13 is 2001's Two Against Nature from Steely Dan. This has really become a theme with the Grammys. Another Lifetime Achievement Award for a band that had put out eight albums at this point. It beat out Radiohead's Kid A. It beat out Eminem's Marshall Mathers LP. Cousin Dupree and Janie Runaway were the singles off this album. The Dans sold 1 million copies of this album. It got as high as six on the charts. was only on the charts for 30 weeks. I'm trying to keep my bias out of uh, a lot of these comments, but how the heck did this album beat M? It has an RYM score of 3.33. Six. At number six is 1970s Blood, Sweat, and Tears. Blood, Sweat, and Tears. This was another band I wasn't really familiar with. Honestly, sounds a lot like a Saturday morning funhouse uh, song like I'm Just a Bill or Conjunction Junction. The biggest song on the album were... You've Made Me So Very Happy, and When I Die, and Spinning Wheel. The album sold 4 million copies, was number one for seven weeks, and was on the charts for 109 weeks, actually. It has an RYM score of 3.48. 11. 
at number 11 is 2006 album How to Dismantle an Atomic Bomb from U2. This was the second Grammy U2 won for Best Album, and I'm honestly shocked how recently this was. According to Bono, this was, quote-unquote, their first rock album. Songs like Vertigo, Sometimes You Can't Make It On Your Own, and City of Blinding Lights are really recognizable. It was a surprising win because it was up against Kanye West's album, Late Registration, which everyone thought was going to win. They sold 3 million copies of this album. It was number one for one week and stayed on the charts for only 56 weeks. It has an RYM score of 2.77, which is part of why it moved down the ranks a little bit. Three. Our three seed in the ladies bracket is 1977's Stevie Wonder, Songs in the Key of My Life. Part of what I'm really enjoying about this pod is exploring music that I haven't paid much attention to. And Stevie Wonder is one of those artists. Everyone knows who he is, but I had no idea how big he was. Holy crap, he dominated the 70s. This is Stevie's first mention on this list, but it isn't his last. I'll give a little spoiler there. While doing some research, I found a funny quote from Paul Simon that in 1976, he actually thanked Stevie for not making an album that year, giving other people a chance. This album had 21 tracks and is an hour and 45 minutes of gold. Songs like Sir Duke, Knock Me Off My, Isn't She Lovely, I Wish, and As are extremely recognizable. When I started listening to them, I recognized that they've been either remade or sampled in a lot of modern music. This album has sold 10 million copies, was number one on the charts for 14 weeks, and spent 82 total weeks on the chart. It has an RYM score of 4.24, which is one of the highest on the entire list. 14. At number 14 is 1991's Quincy Jones' Back on the Block. Quincy Jones is probably best known for his musical production, but he really pulled together every R&B artist in the late 80s, early 90s for this album. I Don't Go For That, I'll Be Good To You, and Tomorrow are really well-known songs. This album did sell 1 million copies. It peaked at number 9 on the charts and spent 40 weeks there. It had an RYM score of 3.7. At number 7 is 1992's Unforgettable With Love from Natalie Cole. So this is a, a Grammy that feels like they were really giving one of their Lifetime Achievement Awards to somebody who was already dead. Nat King Cole's daughter Natalie decided to record covers of some of her dad's most famous songs, singing them as a duet with him. Songs like Unforgettable and "Very The Very Thought of You were singles off this album. However, there were a few other albums that didn't get nominated. Nevermind from Nirvana was eligible year, that year. That's all I gotta say. This album did sell 7 million copies, was number one for five weeks, and was on the charts for 110 weeks, but still feels kind of like a fraud. It got an RYM score of 3.32. 10. At number 10, 1982's Double Fantasy from John Lennon and Yoko Ono. So John Lennon was murdered in 1980, so there was no way this album wasn't going to win. The album was an homage by Lennon to his wife, Yoko Ono, which hadn't had great reviews up until he was murdered. I didn't really know many of the songs on this album, but just like Starting Over, Woman and Watching Wheels were the singles. Kiss 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 is actually kind of funny. It's You can see on that song why Yoko is so reviled. It's absolutely hilarious go check it out this album sold three million copies peaked at number one for eight weeks and was on the charts for 77 weeks it has an rym score of 3.14 two 
At number two is 1999's The Miseducation of Lauren Hill by Lauren Hill. Where to start with this one? This is the first rap album, twin album of the year, which is kind of shocking that it took till 1999. It's still only one of three to be won by a black woman. Songs Doo-Wop, That Thing, Can't Take My Eyes Off of You and X Factor are still played at least one time every karaoke night. This album is still considered one of the most important albums of all time, and it's Oddly Hill's only studio album. She still cites writer's block for not being able to put out more after this. The album sold 10 million copies, the first female rapper's album to do so. It spent four weeks at number one and was on the charts for 119 weeks and has an RYM score of 3.96. 15. At number 15 is 1964's The Barbara Streisand Album by Barbara Streisand. Did anyone know Babs is over 80? I had no idea she was putting out music in the 60s. This album is a mishmash of covers, songs that were recorded by other artists afterwards. A Taste of Honey was recorded by the Beatles a few weeks later. Happy Days Are Here Again is probably recognizable. It peaked at number nine, spent 115 weeks on the charts, and has an RYM score of 3.25. All right, we are halfway done. If you're stuck with me this long, I really appreciate it. Got about half again as much time, and we'll run through the other half of the bracket. I'm going to call this next region the soundtrack region. Didn't do it on purpose, but there are a number of soundtracks that won the album of the year in this group. The number one album in this bracket is 1978's Fleetwood Mac's Rumors. So before doing this, I knew of Fleetwood Mac. I knew they had a few good songs. I had listened to quite a few of them, but I had no idea that all of their good songs were on one album. Pretty much every Fleetwood Mac song you know, besides Landslide, is on this album. And it's crazy because this was their 11th album. Dreams had a moment a few years ago when a dude drinking ocean spray on his skateboard used it. But they also have bangers like Don't Stop, Go Your Own Way, The Chain, you make love and fun on this album, as well as deep cuts like Secondhand News and I Don't Want to Know. This album sold 20 million copies, spent 31 weeks at number one, second only to Michael Jackson's Thriller, and was on the charts for 519 weeks. That's almost 10 years. It has an RYM score of 4.02. 16. At number 16 is 1960s. Frank Sinatra, Come Dance With Me. This was the second best album Grammy given out, and what many consider Old Blue Eyes' best album. This was already later in his career and during a bit of a revival. Songs like Cheek to Cheek and I Could Dance All Night are still recognizable today. This album only sold 1 million copies, peaked at number 2 on the charts, and was there for 140 weeks. It has an RYM score of 3.59. Hey. At number eight, 1974's Stevie Wonder is back with Inner Visions. Eight Seed kind of feels low for this album, which a number of services say is Stevie's best album. Everyone knows Higher Ground, Don't You Worry About a Thing. This album sold less than one million albums, though, and peaked at number four on the charts. It was on the charts for 89 weeks, which is the reason for this lower ranking. This is the only album that didn't ever hit number one that I have with a rank higher than number 11. It does have an RYM score of 4.13, which really brings it up a little bit. At number nine is 1976's Paul Simon, Still Crazy After All These Years. As I said earlier, 
Paul Simon thanked Mr. Wonder for not putting an album out this year so he could win one. Well, now he catches Stevie in a first round matchup. And this album actually has a song, My Little Town, that saw Simon reunite with his former partner, Art Garfunkel, after they had resolved their conflict. 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover was the big hit from the album, hitting number one on the charts. The album sold one million copies, peaked at number one for one week, and was only on the charts for 40 weeks. It does have an RYM score of 3.61. Number five is 2021's Taylor Swift is back again with Folklore. It is interesting because this is her highest reviewed album, but her least successful commercially, which kind of says something. This album is actually a folk or an alternative album, which contrasts her country and pop roots. It's like her third style to win a Grammy of the Year. Exile, Cardigan, and Betty were largely just Swift and a guitar. It was a really big change from her previous albums. This album only sold 2 million albums, was number one on the charts for eight weeks, and was there for 139 weeks, and has an RYM score of 3.44. The number 12 seed in this bracket is 1966's September of My Years from Mr. Frank Sinatra. Emotional matchup, this album won album of the year two years before the Beatles' first win. Rock and roll was coming and Frank was feeling old. He turned 50 this year and put out a kind of introspective song about his career called It Was a Very Good Year. And also on this album was How Old Am I? This album did sell 1 million copies, peaked at number five on the charts and was on the list for 69 weeks. It has an RYM score of 3.68. Number four seed is the 2002 album by Various Oh Brother Where Art Thou? And this is why it's called the soundtrack bracket. The Coen's brothers' movies always seem to use music to add to their story or add suspense, but this is really their crowning achievement. This movie was designed to lean heavily on this soundtrack, and it delivered. I'm a Man of Constant Sorrow has a melancholy sound that reflects the entire message of the movie. Oh, Death won a Grammy itself for the best country performance, and Big Rock Candy Mountain has been used in a number of ad campaigns over the years. This album sold 8 million copies, was number one on the charts for two weeks, and remained there for 112 weeks. It has an RYM score of 3.82. At number 13 is 2009's Raising Sand by Robert Plant and Alison Krauss. Yet another Lifetime Achievement Award. The lead singer of Led Zeppelin having to wait till 2009 to win his first album of the year is a joke. This album is bluegrass, country, folk, in style singles gone 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 please read the letter and rich woman led the album it did sell 1 million copies peaked at number two on the charts and was there for 72 weeks it has an rym score of 3.62 six at number six is 1986's no jacket required from phil collins this album is the quintessential 80s pop album so much synthesizer and pleather what is a Susudio? Anyone? Some of the other singles off this album are Don't Lose My Number, One More Night, and Take Me Home. Just make me see flashes of Don Johnson in a boat flying through Miami Harbor. 12 million copies of this album were sold. It was at number one for seven weeks and was on the charts for 123 weeks. It has an RYM score of 3.2, which is, seems a little low, which why why it ended up at a six seed instead of a little bit higher. Eleven. Number 11 is 2018's 
24K Magic from Bruno Mars. This matchup feels like a dogfight, and I could really see an upset here. It's funny because they were produced about 30 years apart, but I feel like they're very similar. A lot of synthesizer, pleather and velour, songs like 24K Magic, That's What I Like, and Versace on the Floor show a pretty wide range of pop music. Really, somehow this album beat out Kendrick Lamar's Damn. This album sold 2 million copies, peaked at number two on the charts and spent 91 weeks there. It does have an RYM score of 3.24. At number three, 1979's Various Artists, a.k.a. The Bee Gees, Saturday Night Fever. Here's our second soundtrack, and as I said, it says Various Artists, but this was really The Bee Gees' masterpiece. Everyone may not love disco, but everyone knows this movie. John Travolta is still known for his dancing. Staying Alive, You Should Be Dancing, How Deep Is Your Love, More Than a Woman from the Bee Gees, Boogie Shoes by Casey and the Sunshine Band, and there are more, but these alone are a massive group of songs. This album sold 16 million copies, spent 24 weeks at number one, and was on the charts for 124 weeks. The RYM score is 3.64. At number 14 is 2008's from Herbie Hancock, The River, The Joni Letters. Yep, that's a real winner in 2008. And you can see why Kanye West went crazy and hates award shows. This album beat his album Graduation, and it also beat Amy Winehouse's Back to Black. Even Herbie, when they showed the video, was shocked when they called his name. He, he like almost looked apologetic. This is certainly another Lifetime Achievement Award. I'm a bit embarrassed that I didn't know this was a real person until I started doing this. I thought Herbie Hancock was just a joke from Tommy Boy. This is uh, this is what, only one of the three jazz albums to win. Hort and Spark featured Nora Jones. Again, she's everywhere. And Edith and the Kingpin had Tina Turner on it. It sold less than 1 million copies. It peaked at number 4 on the charts and was there for 14 weeks. Had an RYM score of 3.3. 7. At number 7 is 2011's The Suburbs by The Arcade Fire. The Canadian indie group has an incredibly strong following among the indie crowd, and this was really their introduction to a lot of mainstream listeners. The Suburbs is also the biggest single off the album and displays their mix of indie, alt, folk sound sprawl 2 has kind of a depeche mode sound and the album sold a million copies was number one on the charts for one week and only remained there for 52 weeks it does have an rym score of 3.7 10 at number 10 is this year's winner 2023's harry's house from harry styles um the former one direction member has really stepped it up in the last few years with a lot of radio play with this album as it was late night talking and music for a sushi restaurant have been pretty much unavoidable if you listen to any kind of radio so this album came only out this year it's only sold a million copies was number one on the charts for two weeks and has been on there for about 44 weeks, which, you know, is, isn't too bad for something that was released in the last year. Uh, it has an RYM score of only 2.75, which is one of the lowest rated albums to win Grammy of the Year, which is why it's a little lower score. Two. At number two, 1995's The Bodyguard Soundtrack by Whitney Houston. 
if you've ever watched any singing competition show and some contestant attempts I Will Always Love You, they almost always go home that week. Very few other people on the planet can perform that song. This soundtrack included other Whitney greats like I'm Every Woman, Run to You, Queen of the Night, and I Have Nothing, and all of them got significant radio playtime in the 90s. It is also our third soundtrack in this bracket. The album did sell 18 million copies and 6 million in its year of release, which is the largest initial initiation on the RIA list ever. It was number one on the charts for 20 weeks and remained there for 156 weeks. This album is a two seed because rather than a one because it's rather low RYM score of 2.98, but all the rest of it has pretty much the trappings of a number one seed. 15. And the number 15 seed is 1969's By the Time I Get to Phoenix by Glenn Campbell. This is the first country album to win album of the year. Campbell also worked on a soundtrack for John Wayne's version of True Grit. It has a recognizable song from the album that includes uh, By the Time I Get to Phoenix and Homeward Bound. It did sell 1 million copies. It peaked at number 15 on the charts and remained there for 80 weeks. It has an RYM score of 3.33. I tried to come up with a theme for this last region, and I really couldn't imagine a more random collection of artists. So I'm calling this last region the grab bag bracket. At number one is 1968's Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band by The Beatles. You knew they were in here somewhere. The cover is one of the most recognizable album covers in history. The album lacks their huge hits, so it feels kind of like a Lifetime Achievement Award, but they're the Beatles, so it still has some really great songs on it, like Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, with a little help from my friends. There's also songs like A Day in the Life, When I'm 64, and Getting Better. They're all super recognizable, but they're not their like top, top songs. It's kind of surprising that they won Album of the Year versus some of their others. That Glenn Campbell album must have been a real banger, and it's time to keep the White Album from winning in 1969. It's crazy to think, even though this may not have been their best album, it still sold 11 million copies, was number one for 15 weeks, and was on the charts for 232 weeks. It does have an RYM score of 4.13. 16. At number 16, up against this juggernaut, is two albums actually mashed together. It's 1961's The Button-Down Mind of Bob Newhart by Bob Newhart, and 1963's The First Family by Vaughn Meter. Little piece of trivia for you here. Two out of the first four Grammy winners for Album of the Year were comedy recordings. Bob Newhart and Vaughn Meter's recordings won in 1961 and 1963. I'm not going to list tracks because it was just recordings of their comedy sets. I couldn't imagine a comedy album winning Best Album Now. Somehow Meter beat the Beatles' debut album for Best Album, so I'm going to make him face the Beatles in round one here. Meter sold over 1 million copies, but was never higher than number 63 on the charts, and New Hearts did less than that. Both have an RYM score of 2.73 for New Heart and 3.71 respectively for Meter. Number eight is When We All Fall Asleep, Where Do We Go by Billie Eilish. Love her or hate her, you can tell that you're listening to a Billie Eilish song when you hear it. She started her music career at 13, and she still is extremely young when she won this. 
songs like when the party's over and bury a friend show a softer kind of quieter side while pop anthems you should see me in a crown and bad guy are staples of top 40 stations still today ms eilish sold four million albums since 2020 and this album was number one for two weeks and was on the charts for 191 number nine is 1997's falling into you by celine dion this album was put out in 97 four years before her first round opponent was born this album was before celine was catapulted into the stratosphere with the titanic song but the quebec native still had some impressive ballads with because you loved me it's all coming back to me now and all by myself that were on this album Celine sold 12 million albums and was number one for two weeks and was on the charts for 1.13 weeks. Maybe seated a little lower because it does have a rather poor RYM score at 2.7. At number five is 2000's Supernatural from Carlos Santana. Carlos Santana is one of the greatest guitar players of all time and really pushed all in on this album. Partnered with some of the biggest artists at the time on each song rob thomas lauren hill dave matthews smooth with rob thomas is still on hit stations today maria maria and put your light on were top hits in the day and still make me hum them every once in a while when i think this album sold 15 million copies it was number one on the charts for 12 weeks and was on the charts for 103 weeks has an rym score of 3.12 12 at number 12, his opponent is 2015's Morning Phase by Beck. So Beck isn't a big enough artist to get a Lifetime Achievement Award Grammy, but this sure feels like one. It's like the Grammys are bound and determined to not give Beyonce a Grammy for Best Album. Blue Moon and Walking Light are fine songs, but they aren't the artist's best work, so it feels weird for him to win for this album. Beck sold 1 million copies of this album. It reached number three on the charts and it spent 34 weeks there. It does have an RYM score of 3.16. At number four, we have 2017's 25 by Adele. And she's back again. <laughs> Her most recent foray seemed a bit more mature and reflective, which is kind of crazy for someone who was only 27. When this album came out, hello, send my love to your new lover. When we were young and water under the bridge, I'll tell a story of lessons learned through heartbreak, which always makes for a great album. Adele is the only artist of the 2010s to have two albums sell more than 10 million copies. This album sold 11 million and spent 11 weeks at number one and was on the charts for 150. RYM doesn't love Adele. Her score for this is a 2.8, which is probably why this album isn't a 2 or 3 seed. 13. At number 13 is 1983's Toto 4 by Toto. I bless the rains down in Africa. I promise I won't do that again. But everybody is now singing that song. Everyone knows that song. Weezer just remade it a few years ago. Africa was and still is a genre-defining 80s pop song. Rosanna is kind of overshadowed, but it's a really 80s banger. Toto sold 4 million copies of this album. It peaked at number 4, and they were on the charts for 82 weeks. It has an RYM score of 3.31. 6. 
At number six in this bracket is 2004's Speaker Box, The Love Below from Outkast. So this is the second rap album to win album of the year. Andre 3000 and Big Boy put out a double album with each of them putting together one half of it. Hey Yeah is an all-time party song. You can't help but bop your head to it. The Way You Move is a little bit slow-moving dance hit, and Roses sounds pretty until you actually listen to the words. A groundbreaking album that really opened the door for a lot of rap albums even today. The album sold 11 million copies, was number one for seven weeks, and was on the charts for a measly 56 weeks for something that sold 11 million copies, so it was popular real fast. It does have an RYM score of 3.6. Love it. At number 11 is 2019's Golden Hour from Casey Musgraves. Mrs. Musgraves was only the fourth country album to win. She really followed Taylor Swift's formula of marrying country sounds with pop lyrics. Rainbow, Butterflies, and Slow Burn are really examples of her poppy country style. The album sold 1 million copies, peaked at number two on the charts, and spent 92 weeks there. It does have an RYM score of 3.52. Three. At number three is 1988's Joshua Tree from U2. Now, this is the album that U2 deserves to be album of the year for. Where the Streets Have No Name, I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For, With or Without You, Bullet the Blue Sky, In God's Country. This was U2 before Bono became insufferable. Before the marketing machine put U2 on your phone without your permission, it's unusual when pretty much all of the band's best songs are on one album, but this is pretty close with this album. This album sold 10 million copies, spent nine weeks at number one, and was on the charts for 121 weeks. Has an RYM score of 3.72. 14. At number 14 is 1967's A Man and His Music by Mr. Frank Sinatra. Sinatra, Adele, Wonder, and Swift. The four artists that show up on this list three times crazy to think they were doing lifetime achievement awards all the way back in 1967 but this album was a re-recording of most of old blue eyes hits that were owned by his previous labels it included i'll never smile again come fly away with me love and marriage which are some of his biggest hits it sold less than 1 million albums, never got higher than 9 on the charts and was there for 32 weeks, but it does have an RYM score of 3.38 also, which is rather low, which makes it a 14 seed. Seven. Our number 7 for this bracket is 1975's Fulfillingness's First Finale from Mr. Stevie Wonder. For those of you paying attention, I let you know that there was one more Stevie album coming with my Frank Sinatra stat. As a lot of artists do, Stevie got a bit personal with this album and slowed it down a bit. Boogie On, Reggae Woman, and You Haven't Done Nothing were the big hits off this album, but not as popular as some of his from Intervisions or Song in the Key of the Life. This album sold less than 1 million copies, was number one for two weeks, and was on the charts for 65 weeks. It does have an RYM score of 3.86. Ten. Our number 10 seed is 2013's Babel. From Mumford and Sons. The Grammys seem to love folk music. And Mumford gladly obliged with their pop folk opus. I Will Wait is about the perfect folk dance song. Hopeless Wanderer and Lover of the Light had music videos and both starred and were directed by a number of celebrities. 
they did sell two million copies. It was on number one on the charts for five weeks, and it was there for a hundred weeks. It has an RYM score of two point six five. Seems the majority don't love folk pop, but you know that's why it's a ten seed as opposed to a little bit higher. Two. Our number two seed is 1996's Jagged Little Pill from Alanis Morissette. This album really represents the sound of these grungy, angsty, loud. Prior to this album, not a lot of women were allowed to make music that sounded like this and sell it commercially. Alanis influenced countless artists to this day with her abrasive style and lyrics. You ought to know, hand in my pocket, ironic, you learn, head over feet, and all I really want all found significant commercial and critical success. Alanis sold 16 million copies of this album. She spent 12 weeks at number one and spent 126 weeks on the charts, and it has an RYM score of 3.46. 15. At number 15 is 1998's Time Out of Mind by Bob Dylan. Most people can agree Bob Dylan should have won a Grammy before 1980. It's really important to divorce this album from the artist. Dylan is massive. He has some amazing songs, but they were all put out 30 years prior to this album. This Dylan album may be best known for when he was performing at the Grammys that year and somebody jumped onto the stage with the word soy boy written on their chest and strangely danced next to Dylan while he performed Not Dark Yet and Lovesick, which were the album's singles. Dylan sold a million copies of this album. It peaked at number 10 and spent 29 weeks on the charts. It has an RYM score of 3.8. So there's the bracket. Lots of interesting matchups. A lot of great albums. Next steps, go to the link in the description of the podcast and vote. I'll post it on our Instagram and Twitter feeds as well as our Discord server. You can find links to all of those in the description of the podcast. Everyone's going to get one vote. Make sure to get out there and vote for your favorites. Share the podcast and voting links with your friends and families. The bigger group we get to vote, the better. Please join our Discord server and debate. We will use the Discord server to break tiebreakers. I will post out there to try and get people to vote for any ties. So if you're not on the server, your vote isn't going to get counted in case there are any ties. Try to sway votes. Get in there and debate. Uh, why should an album win versus another? I plan on leading vote, leaving voting open for this until Thursday, May 4th, and then I'll record the results pod and hopefully get it out before next weekend. Now, just to remember, you may not agree with the results of the madness, but you can't argue with this process. It's all very democratic. If you don't like the way the results are going, you need to invite more of your friends with similar music tastes to listen and vote. With that, thank you very much for checking us out, and please follow the madness. Follow the madness.